Hello, and welcome to the Plot is Optional podcast. I'm your host, Allie Hobbs. Okay, okay, I'm sorry. I, I was, uh... I didn't know where I was, was starting. Uh, oh, no, yeah, yeah, sorry. I was, uh, I was spoofing the, the Swamp Flicks intro because, uh, yeah, today I have at the Plot is Optional podcast my friends from Swamp Flicks here. Hello. And Hello, you... I am Boomer. Yes, there we go. Thank you. And I am Brandon. I'm going to go by one name this time, I guess. Oh, hell yeah. You gotta, because usually we're the ones that go by one name. Um, so, you gotta. Um, yeah, so for the third episode in my holiday smut apocalypse extravaganza, um, yeah, I have these these friends here. Usually we talk about movies. Um, today I have dragged them into my trash cave. Um, and maybe they'll be able to call themselves out. We'll see. But before we talk about a book, um, do does do either of y'all want to like describe or sell Swamp Flicks to the fine people who are listening to this and might not also listen to Swamp Flicks? Hey, I do have to note that there's a significant um, lack of Swamp Flicks promotion on this sister pod. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was waiting to get y'all on. I'm so sorry. It's going to be on the website. Don't worry. Okay, great. Uh, we are a podcast hosted by people who either live in Louisiana now or have been raised in Louisiana. It was supposed to be a New Orleans-based podcast, but it's kind of spiraled out from there. And we just talk about movies, um, whatever's That's striking true. our fancy. Yeah, We just had a milestone. Yeah, a big yeah, one. Yeah, today was the three three thousand three thousandth post on Swamplix.com. because we also write movie reviews as well. Mostly Boomer, yeah, uh, and I write lately. Yeah, y'all are killing it. I sent I sent Brandon three today. That's amazing. Well, since we recorded our final uh, Lanyap episode of the year last week, I was like, oh my god, where am I going to put all these movie? What thoughts? am I going to do? I've just been I've just been putting them into into reviews. Um. Like I like I normally do anytime we have a break or or like I did before we did the podcast or like I did when we're doing the podcast just because it's the time of year where it's cold and there's not really a whole lot else to do. I gotta say I was reading Which is what I say during the summer, actually, as well. <laughs> I'd say that in the summer. I was like it's too hot to do anything, so I watch a lot of movies. That's my excuse year round. It's amazing. Like maybe two months of nice weather where you can like be a normal human being. Otherwise you retreat retreat to the cave. I uh I was Just reading walk. reviews that you sent me today and um <laughs> wanting to talk about them. I was like uh ready to argue about like yeah, minor details I'm, that don't matter. I'm so sorry. This is uh yeah. Y'all y'all can uh, have a separate separate chat. Yeah. Wait, real quick, what is this minor detail? Oh, nothing. I mean the Nick Cage movie that you reviewed that was the three thousandth post. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I just wanted to talk about Charlie Kaufman and um, celebrity and cancel culture and virality on the internet and things like that. Which I guess. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Which, you know, we might be more qualified to talk about than 
sports journalism and monster fucking and hockey. Like, I, I feel like I'm more qualified to talk about. That I was going to say, I really just like threw y'all out there on the ice without skates and no, yeah, sticks or whatever. I'm, they, wonder, I'm wondering what our expertise is that you were like bringing us in for this particular book for. I, I know. I'm going to, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about it because we're all kind of in the, on the, in the deep end here. So, um, but I, yeah. I will say to promote Swamp Flicks, I guess, you know, look forward to January where we argue about um, Charlie Kaufman. I will say <laughs> there was a line that I cut from that one. I kept trying to find a place to put it. Um, but I was talking about Synecdoche, New York, and how I saw that movie once. Um, right when it came to DVD, I rented it and watched it once. And I will never, the only circumstances under which I'll ever watch it again involve like the chairs from. A Clockwork Orange. There's no, there's no way you'll ever get me to watch that movie again unless it's by force. Um, well, I guess since uh, before we jump into a book that none of us are super qualified to talk about, I'm more qualified, but only, only barely. Uh, I would like to ask, like, do y'all have any movies that you would just generally recommend um, that you know, do you think people who uh, might be into smutty books might like? I mean, I recently saw a five-star classic uh, of French cinema from the 70s called The Beast that I would definitely recommend to listeners to this podcast. Uh, it's kind of like a Bunuel surrealist take on uh, the Beauty and the Beast story. Um, this girl is getting married off to this sort of like dying noble family at this like French villa. And the, the man who uh, she's getting married off to is this kind of like dud of a Duke. Who's just like antisocial and spends his entire day just breeding his horses and getting really into the like biological details of the horses having sex in a way that's like disturbing. Um, But instead of being like turned off and horrified by the monster she's being married to, um, she gets really into it, starts taking like dirty Polaroids around the estate. And uh, when the guy eventually does turn into a beast, um, the movie flashes back to the family curse that made him into that, you know, mythical creature. And uh, it is just like 40 minutes of pornographic monster fucking in the middle of the woods. And it, it goes into so much biological detail that it's like a joke. Uh, and kind of a joke at the expense of like aristocrats and eventually the Catholic church. And um, yeah, it's just a really fun flippant movie that has a lot of monster come in it, which I think is pretty appropriate oh, yeah. to do the material. That's perfect for, here. yes. <laughs> so yeah, the beast from 1975. And Fumer, you got anything you want to throw out? I have no smut recommendations, I'm afraid. <laughs> no smut, no like no romance, nothing. Nothing? I mean, I, I mean I, I I guess I could recommend Knife and Heart for like the 1000th time. Um Knife and Heart is of course uh one of the best movies of 2019. It's a French film directed by Jan Gonzalez uh about a woman who ro- runs a gay pornography production company uh who uh, certain actors from her films start being killed off by a Giallo-esque serial killer who uses a knife that like erupts from the dick tip of a dildo. 
um, as she tries to figure out who is killing all of her hot gay porn actors so that she can get to the bottom of it before uh, her studio collapses, I guess. Although that's not really like what the, what the tension is. And of course, she's also at the same time trying to resolve things with her ex-lover who recently left her. Yeah, both of these sound absolutely perfect. Um, even though sometimes we do we do read we we read soft things sometimes, but these are perfect, and I do agree that uh, people who enjoy books like this would enjoy murder and yeah, monster fucking. Boomer, did you oh, see yeah. that they announced that the third movie in that Ty West trilogy of like porno horror films? Uh, Maxine with, with Mia Goth is going to be an 80s set Jalo, like on that era of pornography, like as a pastiche. I, no, I was just looking at that I announcement being that. like, mm. why are we doing Knife on a Heart again, but less gay? It just didn't make any sense. Yeah. Hmm. Well, yeah. I still haven't seen the first two, so I can't comment oh. on it. But while That's I am fine. pro more things like Knife and Heart, I am anti. Um, making knife and heart, but more uh, tolerable for um, bigots. <laughs> good political stance. Yeah, that is a good political stance. Um, so, on my uh, political stance, it is read increasingly filthier things as uh, the month goes on. Um, so we've started out fairly, well, I don't want to say regular, but fairly vanilla as far as weird shit goes for this month. But you guys are in the tier of second filthiest. And then I have uh, my guest next week coming in to read our final filthiest book of the month. Um, it's going to be, that episode's going to be released on Christmas Eve. So I, it's a perfect gift for everyone. Um, but we are reading Monster Pucker by Cleo Evans and Ashley Bennett. Um, so for the other books that we've read so far this month, I have not read anything by those authors. I have read books by these two authors, however. And they both, like, write a lot of monster romance. Um but in different tones, usually. So Ashley Bennett's usually like the cozy rom-com one. She writes a series that's like Leviathan Fitness that's all about like this gym that monsters work out at. And anyway, it's ridiculous. And then Cleo Evans usually does like sort of darker things, but she also does like a lot of like reverse harem poly white shoes romance. So that fits in in that aspect. Um... The other thing about this is not only is it a monster romance, it's also a hockey romance, which, okay, I woke up one day, probably the day when everybody else who is not on book talk also woke up to discover it existed. Um, but hockey romance became big sometime over the summer this past year, and I don't understand it. Um, this was... This book was like an attempt of mine to understand it, other than the concept of men sliding around on ice, running into each other. I don't know. Um, yeah, it does kind of eroticize like male competition. Yeah. 
and I guess just locker room stench, just like yeah. jock sweat. <laughs> it's like yeah. a, Is there something specific about hockey though that brings that out? Like my I question, I guess, know. would be to you as someone who reads um, this uh, filth <laughs> frequently. Yeah. Uh, is you know, I definitely have read some erotica of my own, you know, in my youth. Yeah. Um, and there often is like, you know, sports as like a method for homoerotic subtext or text. Yeah. Um, even when uh, Brandon and I watched, um, what was that porn we watched, Brandon? <laughs> What's that porn we watched together? Uh, equation to, to an unknown. Equation to an unknown. You know, it starts at the soccer field, right? Yeah, and then immediately goes to the locker room for and some Immediately fun. goes to the locker room. Yeah, you gotta and go to the locker room, because that's where all the dudes are changing out, and they're, like, taking showers together. Right. So, I, I guess my question is, you know, the there didn't feel like there was anything that would change much in that one scene that we have the our two uh, male characters, male protagonists, vying with each other for their, like, physical prowess. I feel like there wasn't anything about that scene that wouldn't have been different if it were, for instance, soccer. Like, I know that you have yeah. to have a goalie in order for in order for this plot to follow the narrative that, oh, he got injured, and then that provides some kind of consequence to their, like, dick measuring. Um, but I guess that's my question, is is there a reason that hockey is, is bigger now that you can trace? And... Is there a reason, wish, like, is it possible this is just, like, a rewrite of, like, a soccer scene almost, you know? I wish I knew. All I know is that of all of the sports romances and smut books that you find, the most popular are inevitably hockey ones. I don't get it. Like I said, I just woke up one day and everybody on all of the book groups on Facebook were talking about hockey romances. And... I was baffled. And so I also did a little reading. Apparently, like, at some point, like, there were teams in the NHL that were, like, sort of, like, catering to book talk in some ways and posting, like, you know, their straps for uh, the girls on book talk um, who uh, were reading hockey romance. So I think that probably didn't help. But then at some point, like, there was a specific hockey player that started, like, getting harassed, which was, like, horrible. Um, just proves that, like, even book internet is the worst internet. Um, I do remember there was, like, a news story either this year or last year during Pride season where the league banned and then reallowed, like, Pride-colored gear on the ice. Wow. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, that is so... Yeah, that's wild. Um, I don't know if just like talking about like sexual orientation and hockey together, like got some gears turning. It is yeah. funny in, in this instance, like the two monsters that fuck in the uh -huh. book are both cold season monsters. Yes. <laughs> so at least I, think, to make it thematically I was going to say, I think that is probably the big part for this book is that it is cold themed. Um and, Which allows for all sorts of like hot tubbing and like erotic yes. hot chocolate play. Yes, I, I will say snow. Uh, something that there is to say about hockey, but which is also true of football, is that sort of the use of like giant pads 
exaggerates like the proportions of a man in a way that is like I guess if you're like, if you find the proportions of a man being exaggerated in like a monster, that yeah. like I guess it appeals to the same part of your brain. Yeah, that this I was like exaggerated say, proportions of a man makes it sort of I, I I don't know more interesting, even more monstrous. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. they're allowed to like hurl their bodies at each other at like car crash speeds because they're all so padded up that uh, I guess if you like being crushed by someone much larger than you, those are the two sports you would gravitate towards. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the size, the size difference definitely is a big thing for a lot of people who are into monster fucking. So I assume like sports romance also like has that. And then, you know, we've got, ice I, like i said i wish i knew i really wish i knew i think yeah i think there's the idea that hockey is still such like very much like a physical sport like as fighty as you can get without full-on like mma you know <laughs> that probably helps um i I, I, guess. I will say just following up on something boomer already mentioned like yeah there is a copy and replace um tone to a lot of these erotic novels like I've, I've only read snippets before this yes. i've never read like a full one cover to cover but if you ever see like the chuck tingle pages that get passed around it feels like he really oh. just like copied yeah. and replaced like hunk with vampire night bus and like the whole book was already kind of pre-written in this like mad lib style where that's inserted and like yeah there's no hockey played in this book until like page 100 out of 120 like it's like really late in the story yeah. and it really could have been any sport it could have yes i also felt that in um just the replacement of the word god with gods plural so like oh that's the thing for sure they they do that in how do you write that though do you just like write it in natural speak where you're like oh my god god only knows god damn and then you copy and replace where it says god's damned I, I can actually interject on this one as someone who watched so much Battlestar Galactica over and over again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it is exactly that. Okay, just checking. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say. Is that, okay, is this part. I am unfortunately aware of the Omegaverse. Okay. I'm unfortunately. Okay, okay. Thank you. So, thank you. I'm so glad because I had to explain it on the last episode and. Um, but this is not that, actually. I, I know that it's not that, but it makes me wonder if it's taking lore from that just sort of as a basis. Like, is this part of a greater, like, is there like this sort of canon idea of lore within like erotic monster novels that Krampuses have prehensile cocks? Like, is that something that's been established in previous, like, Krampus? That's okay. For me. For, okay. for me, on Krampus books. And I have read five of them this year. Okay. So. And it's very important. So I feel like if it was something that uh, was a part of the lore in the same way that it's, like, just part of vampire lore that, oh, they can't come in without being invited. <laughs> like, if it were just part of erotic Krampus lore that he had a pre dick. I feel like you probably would have encountered it before now. Oh, I would. <laughs> Don't I worry. It, I found it confusing that, speaking of vampires, they just happen to exist in this world, too. 
Yeah, like, monsters oh, and it, just casually exist. And yeah. look, I'm going to be honest with you. As much as I am so glad that we're talking and I love hanging out with y'all, I hated every word of this. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, I figured y'all hated all of this. I, oh my yeah, God, every moment. Given. I didn't um, hate it. It just felt like I was watching something or like reading something that I didn't know the genre rules of. Like when a vampire is introduced casually as like, a butler character that has no real place in the story. I was just like, oh, I guess it's just assumed that vampires exist. Yeah. Or like when they, they reveal like maybe like 30 pages into the book that like the narrator, the initial narrator is a human person interacting with these monsters. There's no implication of that earlier. You just kind of have to know the genre to kind of get your footing. See, to me, that felt like a very, and I hate to say this, and I'm, I, I hope that these uh, authors don't take this the wrong way, but very fan fiction-y. It's very, it was a very common fan fiction trope to just introduce like, oh yeah, there are vampires, or oh yeah, there are other monsters that aren't established. Yeah. Just whenever it becomes um, relevant to the plot. And in fact, that did lead, and I... I I lied. I didn't hate every word of this. I enjoyed <laughs> this paragraph. I'm going to read it, okay? Okay, yeah, this is perfect. This is exactly, yep. In the blink of an eye, he turned into a black bat. I shook my head as he flew past me, heading for the front door. And then this this was, this sentence was... was I, I say my favorite sentence in this whole book, but also uh, it's because it's the only sentence I genuinely loved. I heard it open and close. His vampire abilities allowing him to do such things. <laughs> yes. Okay. I was like, okay, you know what? That that feels like it's funny on purpose. Uh, yeah. Know, like I would say, like it's like oh, we is- and also we introduce vampires into this, but you know what they can and can't do yeah, is do not you- actually really important. We're not going to get into. it. Do they have prehensile dicks? You'll have to read another book to find out. Yeah, you'll have to find out in a, the next year's uh, book. What I'm hearing is that the vampire, vampire yeah, I'm, I'm hearing that the vampire butler was a hit character and deserves his own spinoff. Marco, Marco is amazing. I I read him as very sassy. I did too. <laughs> so you would have to be to put up with a a Krampus, which I also like that they don't explain a Krampus. Yeah, it's like saying a Dracula or a Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah exactly. A, a Krampus. I was born yeah. to two Krampuses. Um, right, okay, so yeah. this yeah, <laughs> that didn't break my brain or anything, but I was like, okay, we presume that there's one Krampus, like within actual mythology, in the same way that there's yeah. like one Santa Claus, you know, yeah. one Jesus Christ. Um, but this establishes that the Krampuses are a race. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. But uh, is that also something that's lore that we you knew from previous Krampus novels? No. Okay. So in five previous Krampus novels, they never established that they have nuclear families. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's always just been the one Krampus. There's been like... Okay. Like I said, my brain is fully trashed and broken and full of filth. But there was this one... Um, I, I keep saying this term. I'm just going to assume y'all know what I mean by it. So if I say any like weird romance trope turns, just please jump in and be like, Allie, explain that. 
Anyway, I read this one reverse harem book with a bunch of different holiday monsters, and there was one Krampus, and that's like the only Krampus in the world. And like the title of Krampus would get passed from like person to person, which was weird, but okay. 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 So that was like the most in the uh, like multiple Krampuses that I got. Um, but yeah, everything else has just been like, this is the Krampus. Uh, okay. Uh, I assume reverse harem is like, you know, 12 gentlemen for every lady. I, not always 12, but sometimes 12. Yeah, sorry. The I, I always imagine it. I would say that the most common is four, but yeah, there are ones with 12, and I'm always just like, that sounds exhausting. Think bigger. Ladies out there writing these, think bigger. Think bigger. That sounds exhausting. I'm sorry. Like, I like a, a lot of attention just as much as like the next like mentally ill person with not very good self esteem. But like, dang, twelve guys? No thanks. I mean, use that as an excuse to make up your own weird calendar, right? Where it's oh, like, yeah. oh, four days on, three days for yourself, or like, oh, every. Every week is uh, still seven days long, but you get a day of rest, and then you know you alternate weeks between six and six. You is know, like a like a short world wheel? in there. I I will say I think that that was what I was disappointed most by in this because like I, I'm not going to say these aren't real books. I know that people write them. I know they work on them. You know, and I know that they have their audience. Obviously, I would never say that they're not real books any more than I would say you know. Like, people's fan fiction is not real writing. But I really did, you know, every time that I was like, oh, I guess I could be a little bit interested in a little bit of world building here, it was fucking time. And I was like, oh, right, that's what this is about. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's what it's about. You're just describing pornography. Yeah, I I guess. I, you know, maybe (laughs) it's my my particular neurodiversion. (laughs) (laughs) I, uh, you know, what I didn't really need an explanation of Marco's vampire powers. I thought it was very funny that it was very dismissive of it. But there is a moment where you're like, oh, okay. You know, oh, uh, she's being blackmailed. Holly is being blackmailed. Uh, someone took a long range photo of her fucking with these monsters. Um, I wonder who it could be. <laughs> could it be her ex boyfriend? Fourth character? Like, the the <laughs> only the other only man other mentioned character. in this movie yeah. who's not coach or um, uh, orc goalie whose name is Grok or no, a rock or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, let's, let's describe the plot at this point. That's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. We're, we're getting plot. So, Holly, of course, her name is Holly because it's vaguely. Uh, Christmas romance. I that is the other thing is Brandon. You're a Christmas Grinch, so I decided I would give you the least Christmassy of Christmas romances. This is your own fault for saying that. You you did this to yourself. I'm gonna blame you. Victim blaming the Brandon. Um. Yeah. So Holly is a sports journalist specializing in hockey, which is why we were all like, none of us know about sports journalism. But considering, um. As we like to say in this podcast, the plot is optional. Um, I don't really think the her being a sports journalist matters that much. Um, other it than it matters in that she's being unprofessional at work, and that's like part of the sexual thrill. 
As if yeah, exactly. Bad. She yeah. is being terrible, and she is in. She has gotten herself stuck in a locker in uh, the uh, players' locker room for. Uh, what was the team name? Oh my gosh, I need to... the Growlers. The Growlers. Thank you, the Growlers. And uh, yeah, she uh, witnesses the two stars of the Growlers in an intimate moment. Uh, and uh, yeah, she is turned on by this, of course, because you know these are these are two hot monsters dominating each other and uh, having a moment. So obviously. You're- you know what word we haven't said yet once? What? Yeti. Yeti! I know. I know, because, like, Yeti, that's, like, regular compared to saying a Krampus. Um, yeah, for I some mean, reason. Being hot for a Yeti is like being hot for the Beast form in Beauty and the Beast from the 90s. It's something that everyone <laughs> online so either is like, ooh, that's so me, or ooh, you could t- see the look of disappointment on Belle's face whenever he turned human, or ooh, yeah. like that's such a it's been such a thing online for years now, whether people are honest or trying to jump on the bandwagon or whatever. Uh, it feels like the Yeti thing, it just it's it's not that weird. Maybe that's why they have to give the Yeti peppermint flavored cum to make it more interesting. I think so. <laughs> like spice you know, it up. Yetis are, are are basically just like Arctic, you know, uh, big feet. And, yeah. you know, I, I see advertisements. Maybe I'm telling too much about myself by talking about what targeted advertisements reach me. But like, you know, ones for fake bumper stickers that are like, I'd fuck Bigfoot. Like, I get ads for that kind of shit all the time. So I guess that's where my mind is at. It's like, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. Entry level monster fucking. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Brandon. You're real entry level right now. Uh, tell me, uh, call me back when you get hot for Mothman. <laughs> uh, yeah, that is a big one these days. People love to fuck a Mothman these days. That is a thing. I guess Her I'll just go ahead and admit right now that the truth is, I have a friend who's basically like a litmus test for any of this. I see people's weird uh, new hornies in her memes like months before they become the hot oh, yeah. new thing online she's uh-huh. ahead of the curve i won't say her name and shout her out because that this might be an embarrassing thing does but... she want to be on my podcast <laughs> <laughs> i'll ask her with a voice modulator yeah i do have a question about this i'm sorry to derail your plot description so much no no but... it's fine i okay so i read the book um and then i was like you know, there are things I am interested in sexually. I wonder what books they have on that. Cause I've never downloaded the Kindle app before this. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I like, I tried a couple things, you know, and there's some hot stuff on there. And then looking at my like Amazon account, I didn't realize they were so closely linked. So like all of my, um, recommended products were all like smut, um, fixated on my fetishes all of a sudden. And, yeah. um, it was just like deeply embarrassing. It feels like something that should have been like not tied to any kind of like official personal account uh, because that is how I've been treat uh, trained to treat pornography on the internet. And uh, yeah, it's just kind of weird like that people just do this all day. Like they're really into monster fucking and they oh, yeah. look up monster fucking books and they get recommended more and it's all got like your first and last name on the account. I find that yeah. so odd. It yeah, is. I- it is odd. <laughs> I'll interject. I have also never downloaded the Kindle app and I don't use Amazon. Like I haven't 
I haven't bought anything from Amazon in like three years. And so I had to download this app. I had to search through old emails to get my Amazon password reset. And yeah, so now this is the only thing that I own on Kindle forever, I assume. Because like, it's not like I don't do ebooks, but I usually I get them from the library or more often I go to Project Gutenberg and just get things that are in the public domain. Because I'm like, oh, yeah, I've never actually read this. And then that's just what I have with me when I find myself in a situation where I'm uh, I'm bored and I just need to look at my phone to dissociate for a few minutes. But um, I, I, I will say. Uh, going back to sports journalism, again, to derail this plot description, um, I actually have known some sports journalists. And I think that because when I was at KLSU, you know, we had a sports journalist who came in at the 40 minute mark during the the drive times when I was hosting. And so I got to know those guys pretty well. And then I also, you know, for a time was doing freelance for Dig Magazine in Baton Rouge. And so, you know, I would I would meet these guys at meetings. Uh, I will say it is mostly men. Um, who are in this that industry, at least in the South. But I'm not surprised that like the lady sports journalist is such like a common or recurring thing, or she is a common or recurring thing in smut of this kind, simply because that's such a 90s movie trope mm-hmm. where like the sports star ends up dating like the, you know, the the lady sports journalist who's breaking new ground. That's it's yeah. such a like I want to say Bull Durham, but I think that she might have been the owner, not a journalist. I'm also maybe thinking about Major League, but like it was so common among like sports movies of the 80s and 90s because that was the easiest way for them to sort of like push in a romantic subplot that didn't take too much time away from like the narrative focus on the sport. It allowed her to be a part of that world without, you know, uh, requiring plots where the you know the baseball player has to leave the field for you know 40 percent of the movie um so people raised on those it, it's not surprising to me that that's where this ended up do you think the movie adaptation of monster pucker would be a hit well for one thing i it should be called the mighty fox um, <laughs> yeah yeah it, it should be called the mighty fox like I, you know I, that's true the the puck fuck in this uh, pun in this title, I could not remember it for the life of me. It was like trying it, to remember the name of um, uh, Mikey and Nikki or whatever it's called. That uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. Where it's like, is it Mikey and Ike? Is it Mickey and Nikki? It was like my brain refused to store the information. I was like, is it is it Monster Puck or, or Puck Me to Death? Or I was like, uh, so what I came up with one time was the Mighty ish uh, okay yeah i think it works I, I, if your brain is already wired to see this stuff everywhere if you're already used yeah. to reading a krampus and a yeti getting it on in a locker room like that's like a normal genre trope for you then the word monster fucker is already rattling around in your brain all day so yeah, when you see monster fucker you're instantly locked in you're like oh yeah Obviously. i know what that's about how has no one written this before this is so obvious it was just out there for the taking it, that is the other thing that was surprising to me actually is that hockey romance got popular and yet we're just now getting a uh, a monster fucker version well it's very obviously a hat on a hat like even reading this you're like yeah. what would make this different if it was just two men fucking in the locker room like human men uh, and the answer for a long time before you get into the prehensile penises and the peppermint flavored cum, like it's pretty pretty normal 
three-way sex between these two men and this one woman. Yeah. I, I guess the part that is very attractive to her and I'm assuming attractive to the readers is that she's a large woman and she likes the feeling of being dwarfed by these even larger creatures um, who get to like monster handle her quote unquote around the bedroom. Um, I was going to say, I think um, one of the big things about monster romance uh, is there is a lot of like body positivity, especially in the size difference aspect that I think, um, yeah, that's a big that part makes of sense. the they, people. It takes a really long time for them to mention that she's plus size. Like, it really? doesn't feel I like that comes up early in, like, on. The first, like, few pages. They don't okay. even mention she's, she's a woman until page 30. Somebody. That can't be right. Because I, I thought she, like, when she was, like, crammed in the locker room, she was like, ah, I'm not small. Oh, I, yeah, I guess. Okay. Yeah, you're right. But, you know, she they also do not mention she is a, a woman at first either. So she could just be a large man. But they do have her name as Holly in the chapter, like, at the beginning. So I do want to mention another, like, smut-brained um, thing that you'd already be locked into if you, you know, read this stuff regularly. Is you just mentioned the word um, size difference. Oh, which yes. Was, was in the- there are many other different things is not that, yes. But it's in the content warning at the start of the novel, which I found interesting. And there's other phrases like, I'm going to read it now, like insta-love, faded yes. mates. Yes. Um, you know, the, the normal stuff's in there too. The like normal stuff, yeah. yeah. But also breeding kink, flavored cum. Yep. Um, nodding, I think, is in there. Yes, which is nodding like, is definitely in there. Terms I kind of understand now that I've read it. But like beforehand, I wouldn't have known what nodding was. Yeah, um, that is definitely a big one that people are like, what is that if they've never read any of this before? Um, I, Boober, you're familiar with nodding, I'm sure, since you're familiar with the Omegaverse. Um, I, I should also admit that most of my familiarity with the Omegaverse comes from just following that like major plagiarism accusation scandal like four years ago. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, um, I mean, there's, it we're, feels we're, like there's always a different one. Um. Basically, this woman claimed to have invented the, like, just the concept of the Omegaverse, even oh though, God. like, the origins of that come from, like, you know, the super who locked days of Tumblr. And, like, yeah, you know, I was going to say, which Brandon, did you follow any of that sentence? Which parts of No, this is all. <laughs> Never heard of any of this stuff. So there was a Tumblr era where the three biggest fandoms were um, Supernatural, Doctor Who, and Sherlock. And there was a lot of crossover fan fiction. I think yes. it was just like really overrepresented on Tumblr as a platform. Um, yeah. But like, uh, it was just, it was huge. And then people started doing like Supernatural fan fiction that involved sort of like an alpha beta relationship. And then that started to like expand like a virus into all mm-hmm. of the crossover fan fiction with Doctor Who and Sherlock and all of the other major fandoms of the time. And then from there, it sort of, you know, got mixed up in ongoing misunderstandings of like wolf social organization. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And became sort of like, you know, 
a lot of like furry and kinky, you know, smut uh, came to use these same tropes, which involve faded mates um, and and nodding, which is like specifically related to the um, shape of canine genitalia. Yes. So that is something that people have been familiar with for over a decade. And then if you're going to read a book, you're like, oh, this one has faded mates in it. I can't read that. Yeah, pretty much. That's crazy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. hmm. Are you, are you, is your question because it's like a content warning or? Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's why. It's like, yeah, I I understand why like rough sex or like choking or something would be a content warning. Yeah, I was uh, kind of baffled by the contents war- content warnings on this as well, but I also was just kind of like, I mean, I guess you're covering your bases, um, which is the wrong sport. Um, it's almost like a form of advertising, like, yeah. Oh, I'm gonna see I some faded mates and nodding in this. That like, is oh, okay. That. So it's not that inconceivable a- that people could yeah. have like. You know, I don't feel like I want to investigate, you know, the way that people personally have, like, problems with the way that that's presented as something that could also occur as, like, intimate violence, I guess. Yeah. Um, I I guess. So uh, I, I'm going to, like, be, uh, I'm going to be contrarian on, on my own prefer genre here and say that I do feel like a lot of people do use um, content warnings as quote-unquote shopping lists to the point where like that's just like a thing people say and I like gripe every time on the internet about it Um, and then make people aware that their language and the way they say things matters Uh, but yeah, I also am not gonna like judge people for being like I don't want to read about you know people saying they're like mates like you know I could see that one being a big one. It looks like praise kink is like... on here too, so like just praising yeah. someone as like a kink. I don't know. It, it does yeah. read a little bit like okay. literatica taglines. Um, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Which, hey, there are tags when I see them on Literatica. I'm like, I'm not reading that. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But by the way, we're still in a sweaty locker. We have not left. We're still in a sweaty oh locker. God, yeah. We have not okay. left the sweaty locker. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, they find her. She, uh, They ask her out on a date because it turns out they've like been attracted to her for a while because this is, uh, you know, that sort of thing, that sort of fantasy thing going on here, uh, and yeah, they uh, get to Klaus the Krampus's place. Sorry, I I like a lot of these uh, names of people. A lot of the time, I'm always gonna laugh. Like it, just, they're always so ridiculous. It's always outrageous. I'm just ah. <sighs> Klaus the Krampus, Holly, in a sports romance that ends on a Christmassy note, does not start there. Um, yeah, 
Anyway, so they go back to Klaus's place uh, for their secret date. And, um, yeah, that's where they drop the faded mate bomb. And then, you know, then they fuck um, a whole lot. There are some, like, polyamory negotiations and, like, kink negotiations. I was going to say, the kink negotiations in this are great. Honestly, I was like, wow, these are surprisingly really nice and, like, healthy. Amazing. Communication. And kind of honest about how that, like, ramps you up, too. Like, talking about it before you do it. I don't know. Yeah. That felt real. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I feel like... Um, one of the things that I do appreciate about modern like smut and romance is that they're steering away from a lot of the like harmful sort of like ways relationships are portrayed in a lot of in a lot of contexts. I would say um, there is dark romance out there that I am not into at all um, because I'm not reading this to be bummed out or I don't know, watch some very toxic dynamics take place. But um yeah, so I I really appreciated the the discussion on uh communication and consent and all of that because uh yeah, there's not enough of that in books even when there's a lot of it in books, I feel like because you know, people are still like reading these, looking at them, and being like, why isn't my relationship like that? And it's like, because it's real life, but also it shouldn't. Um, so I, I do appreciate when a book goes out of its way to be like, no, this is how it should work. Um, well, it, it works in this context because this is a very sweet story about like a new family. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, They're a new very, family. Very like, in a weird way, even though it's full of monster cum. Yeah, but, like, it's I wouldn't begrudge somebody um, wanting to write out the transgressive, toxic relationship that turns them on in their head. Uh, Because, you know, a a lot of the times you write this stuff out uh, because it's bad. And, like, that's what gets you excited is that, you know, even in this one, like, being ravaged by, like, scary monsters is a transgression that that the book is indulging in. Yes. And I also think it's worth noting that, like, the massive popularity of Fifty Shades of Grey which was for many people like their only exposure to that, but which was, you know, not very, it wasn't intended to be responsible and wasn't. And that caused a lot of, it was not like a lot of things. If it can be used by awful men to hurt women, they're going to do it. And it did. And so I, I do sort of see like the, this as like correcting that to the point where, you know, when it's something that is maybe meant to be a little escapist could seem like an overcorrection because it's, it becomes like this, you know, sort of boardroom negotiation, but this one managed to like make it brief, I guess is one of its qualities. Yeah. You, you just praised it for, uh, for keeping it, keeping it brief in that way. I'm, I'm going to keep track of all the times you praise it as someone who, who hates it, by the way, like, (laughs) Look at you! You liked it. Yeah. So far, we're 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 at um, unexplained vampire powers, and uh, the the um, keeping it brief. Concision of 
of their uh, sexual Concision? negotiations. Concision of consent? I don't know. Oh, uh, yes. Did you like it when the Krampus asked, have you ever been kissed by a Krampus before? A Krampus before? before? Thank you, Brandon. I literally have that highlighted. <laughs> <laughs> because it, um, you were talking about Chuck Tingle. And uh, we read um, Pound by the Vampire Night Bus, um, as you mentioned already. And uh, there's a line in Pounded by the Vampire Night Bus that's, have you ever been with a city bus before? <laughs> and the uh, protagonist answers, one time in college. Um, and so I was uh, very happy to see that line here. I was like... I so I had to I I had to read it to Thomas because I was like this is amazing you you've, you've got to know Chuck Tingle's got his pulse on on the world here um I mean also Chuck Tingle love him so yes they they have a a good little consent discussion um yeah, they they pound if we're gonna use that euphemism for whatever reason. Um and yeah, they have a, a night together because they're snowed in as well is the other thing. We got the snowed in trope. Um Don't they wrap up and there's their first only one bed? <laughs> yeah, there's true. only one bed, yes. There is only one bed, but that's on purpose. And but then they wrap up their that. first three-way with uh, hot chocolate and a movie. Yeah. But no is... movie specified. That's like a choose-your-own-adventure option. Yeah. Which movie do you think... God, I forgot about that. Yeah, which movie would you would you pick <laughs> after See, your first three-way? See, but now I have all these questions, right? Like, what, <laughs> what are the movies <laughs> like in this world? Right. You know, right. if, like, you know, the Yetis are real... And there's a gargoyle goalie, uh, no, uh, a gargoyle an coach, and an orc, an orc goalie. goalie. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> Pardon me. There's not the a goalie it, is an orc. Sorry. Uh, honestly, it is it is a shame on me moment because there's only six named characters in this book. I should be able to remember <laughs> which one is which. Um. Yeah. Uh. What are their movies like? Like, you know, do they have? Do they have like a love actually? But you know, it's like Alan Rickman is a Krampus. You know, like I have so many questions, and I think that they can't. Why did you just say that? Because now I'm imagining it, and it's kind of amazing. I'm sorry that I incepted that into you accidentally yeah. with my uh, ad lib. Um, you know, I, I do sort of wonder, like, what I assume they watch a Netflix Christmas movie. But that makes yeah. me have so many questions about what that looks like in this world, you know, like yeah. they are really in their in their like uh, work with Hallmark, really pushing the limits and the boundaries and the envelope of like how many puns they can make about Christmas. But when you open that door to introducing puns on different kinds of monsters, it could be an industry unto itself. It's true. Yeah. Do you think the nuclear arms race between Hallmark, Lifetime, and Netflix to produce as many attention-grabbing Christmas movies as possible every year will escalate to the point where in like 2033 there will be like Monster Pucker on Lifetime at 9 p.m. tonight, like movie adaptations? 
I it'll probably it'll air on sci-fi. It'll be like Oh, there it is. Oh it'll be yeah. a lifetime working with um asylum. the asylum. Yeah. They're gonna yep. they're gonna get together on that because as soon as there is a mainstream monster monster fucker movie that captivates the audience like the general audience not just uh film nerds like us because shape of water was not very well received by the general public once hey, one there best is picture one... that year it did win best yeah, but picture. that's to us right like to film people yeah 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 everyone i know who watched that movie on their own even in my own life among all of the pretentious people that i know they all still hated it wow i was the only one who was like oh i've been captivated I, it's so funny. Um, the only person I know who hated that movie, uh, just it was for the monster fucking aspect, which is so funny to me. <laughs> anyway, right, and and that's what people that I knew did not like about it either. If they could, oh get wow, past okay. That part. So yeah. as soon as there's one where the monster is is human enough, you know, in that world right now, they're seeing like trailers for uh, anyone but you with like you know uh chad uh, glenn powell and like i don't know a medusa or something right yeah, i'm sorry was that a dumb question does nobody care about my hypothetical <laughs> no no I, I i care about this i'm invested now you i think in a roundabout way you also answered the original question which is after they fucked they watched shape of water water yeah oh Obviously. but shape of water could be like i don't know that could be nothing to them Right. <laughs> yeah, like, I am presuming that they're going to watch something Christmas related because these people have Christmas on the fucking brain. Like true. that's all that. They, I mean, the woman's name is Holly. Yeah. Uh, she's having a jolly Christmas time with these two winter monsters. I don't know. Is is like is Norm of the North like an erotic thriller? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Oh okay, God. I'm sorry. I, I've distracted us enough. No, no, no. Enough. This is perfect. This is perfect. See, this is exactly other than me wanting to get y'all on here and bring you down to my level of trash. Down to my trash basement, where I know you hate it here, but welcome. Um, yeah, I I, I also like appreciate this. Though, so here, what? here we are. I just like, like most what? of the places I go. Dislike most of the places I go. So here oh, we are. Yeah, perfect. I'm so glad I could just make the world all the same everywhere for you. But in this, I feel like in this instance, I I hope I brought the weird. At least, at least I hope I kind of did. I know you already you're already familiar with a lot of the weird, um, which is good because it's a rare episode that i haven't had to explain some weird shit so um yeah i think we can get to our uh, next trope especially if we're talking about their three-way and that would be a uh, special monster equipment <laughs> so we've already mentioned the pre prehensile uh penis and the uh peppermint flavored gum which apparently it only tastes uh, like something delicious if you're the the mate of the monster of the yeti. A which, Christmas miracle. A Christmas miracle. They found her. 
they're weird little sports journalist voyeur. Oh wait, I do like. Uh, I don't know if it's in this three way or the next three way. I'm not sure, but there's a part where they snowball to come, and it's described as a Christmas gift. That's kind of sweet. Yeah, they do. They do that. I like that. Yeah, I was gonna say it's the li- it's the little things, right? <laughs> Doesn't uh, he also have like a very phallic tongue too that she has to like deep throat because it's so big? Uh, that's the that's the Krampus when course, she's like. I, I've been a, I I've never kissed a, kissed a Krampus before, but I I could learn. Um, not once in college, unfortunately. <laughs> um. And then there's yeah. the nodding. Is another the nodding. Like... Yes, that's that's our other that's our other thing is that the Yeti does indeed have a knot. Um. Because at this point. Nodding has moved so far past just like werewolves in Omegaverse that it's just like a weird monster. Here we go. It's gonna have a knot. Um Is it only the Yeti that has a knot? Yeah, it's only the Yeti. I'll be honest, I really I, I found it really hard to pay attention during the sex parts. It <laughs> That's wasn't okay. It wasn't my flavor. It wasn't I was gonna say to me. I was gonna say you you don't yeah. You I don't, don't what, do Allie? Why don't you just call me a slur? I'm, just gonna say, <laughs> I'm sorry, you're just a prude. <laughs> Whoa, the biggest slur <laughs> on this keyword. podcast. <laughs> that is not true. I, I know read, that's not true. I I knew what the Omegaverse was. God you do it. you do know what the Omegaverse is. I'm joking. I know you're not no, a I prude. <laughs> but you know this this wasn't for me. Yeah. I guess their other, like, physical difference between humans is they're, like, super sensitive to scent. So, like, they keep fixating on her smell a lot. Yeah, the smell is a big... Oh, that's a big thing. So anytime she gets aroused, they're, like, can't focus on anything else. Other than all that, though, I mean, kind of just normal sex between three people. I don't know. (laughs) She likes being, like, picked up and carried around a lot, uh, which I guess they have to be monsters to do that to her the way they do. Cause kind of like throw around like a rag doll yeah. in a way that most adults struggled to do, unless you're like a bodybuilder, but like, I don't know. Kind of normal sex for the most part. For the most part, you know, to the point where like when they actually do dirty talk and it's not just like sweet, loving threesomes and all of a sudden they'll be like, I'm going to breed your little cunt. It's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I thought I was reading something sweet. No, you're not. <laughs> yeah. Don't get too comfortable. It's a weird clash of tones. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, breeding kink. That's one that I have. Uh, I've been. I've been trying to figure that one out. I. We. Yeah. Me and my friend Ashley on our first episode talked about it because. And I feel like every episode it comes up because it's such a big one for people right now, and you can't really like throw a stone without getting away or getting away from it. Like, not getting away. Throw throw a stone and get away from it. Um, no, uh, you can't throw a stone and not have one just be there. Uh, I'm more used to hearing it between gay men than I am between a I man know. and a woman. To be honest, I know. Isn't but, it like it's it's something? But part of the like eroticism of this is like 
kind of the voyeurism of watching two men have sex from her perspective. So like, yeah, it's almost like someone who watches a lot of gay porno, just sort of like picking up the lingo and like using it in street sex. Yeah. But also that is, that's the terms these days. That's the, that is, uh, the straights have co-opted it. I'm afraid to say, or maybe the buys. I don't know. But when they're breeding, they're just breeding. It's not a kink. It's like what you're supposed to do. Yeah, but like <laughs> it's like being especially into that as a thing. I don't know. It's very strange because yes, it is this is just how that works, but yeah. Like I said, it's something I've been trying to figure out for a while now. So thank you for also being baffled. I'm baffled as to the idea of it being appealing, but I understand kinks are people's well, own business. But here's here's a little insight. Um, because you know the AIDS crisis was so closely associated with the gay male community. It became very important in pornography early on that they demonstrated condom usage in gay male pornography ah. to the point where for a very long time in California, up until maybe just four or five years ago, anyone that is, was registered as like a pornographic studio, you know, for tax reasons, all of their work had to include the use of condoms in male on male scenes. As part of the ongoing push, you know, uh, to limit the spread of HIV. And it wasn't really until the widespread availability of PrEP more recently that um, gay porn has gone more condom-free and bareback, at least professionally. Mm -hmm. It was always part of, like, amateur porn because that was, you know, they weren't re required to register or do anything, you know, as a, as a governmentally recognized like entity um so sort of with the laxity and looseness and changing of those laws you did start to see more of an increase in interest in breeding pornography because now they were no longer required to show the use of condoms um you know make sure that it was used whenever they were filming it's it's probably mostly because of that, like just a, a sweeping change from that, that it made its way into more gay porn and thus was picked up by, you know, uh, people like these authors who probably have consumed a lot of that content. Yes. I like it in that context, I guess, or I'll, I'll, I'll at least understand it better in that context. I kind of yes. understand it in like a professional woman, you know, the idea that like you're her job comes first and like having a baby or like playing with the idea of having a baby is like a distraction from her personality, you mm -hmm. know? And like even the transgression of getting spanked by these monsters, even though she's like a very serious adult professional is part of that too. Yeah. And Where, part of that was like, she was shamed by her ex. Yeah. So Where it kind of bothers is, me. Uh, yeah. Anyway, go I, ahead. I probably shouldn't even say this, but like where it kind of bothers me is when it gets into kind of like, race play stuff where they're like calling her snow angel and saying they're going to breed her. I don't know. It, it, there's, they're playing with something a little touchy there in a way that was like, not as like understandable to me as the other uh, readings on it. 
A can of worms I probably shouldn't have opened. I'm just thinking. No, no, no. I I, I, I did not. Do we not... assume that Snow Angel is race play? Yeah, exactly. I, I was, was... going to say, I, I did not think that that was uh, race play, but I also understand where you're getting it from. I mean, they're literally making like mixed race children between monsters and humans. And I don't know. I've heard similar like snow princess, snow bunny style. You know, oh, I just kind of assumed it was because it was Christmas. Yeah, I mean, maybe that so. is also what I assumed is that it was Christmas. Um, hey, maybe I'm just reading into it from too many angles trying no, to understand what's I, going on here. I honestly... I respect, like I said, I respect that reading, and I would not have uh, thought of it because of the Christmas aspect. I've gotten Christmas blinded, um, but you know, it makes sense to hear that. I don't think it was intentionally that way. But Can I make one more outrageous reading that's like even further out in the field. Yes, please. Maybe they're just like really inspired by Lilith's brood and that's like the the seminal text for this genre oh yeah yeah (laughs) could be honestly there's a lot of uh people who read and write this genre are they're stranger strange strange little weirdos i'm gonna be honest um i'm gonna include myself in that Sorry, everybody. Um, but you're listening to Big Weirdo. Um, it's like how this morning I told my mom that I started doing this. And I was like, don't listen to it. <laughs> don't do it. Um, yeah. They, you know, it's it's so hard to know what people find influential for this. Especially considering that... Um, I think some of the big ones that people who are roughly around our age have mentioned has been like the old gargoyle show uh, as being, you know, influential monster fuckery. Or, yeah, I understand uh, that. Ron yeah, Perlman is the Beast. Can do that. Yeah, Ron Perlman is the Beast, obviously. Um, oh, Actually, I have something fun that's a piece of information. I don't know if this is going to matter for this podcast. Allie, you can cut it if you want. But I told y'all about going to that estate sale and finding all of those X-Files VHS tapes. Yes, you did. And I wanted to watch them so I could look at the old commercials and see how it aired. At the end of one of them, it stopped and it's, you know, the tape, you know, did its onto yeah. what it was taped over or after it and it was the original airing of the pilot of the ron perlman linda hamilton beauty and the beast i wow. felt so blessed um but also yeah ron <laughs> perlman Keith david they'll do it to you yeah that that does make okay i don't want to interrupt your train of thought but it, it I, I did have a question about something is krampus a mammal yes Okay. I think I would say yes. Uh, okay. I guess he is like goat, like. <laughs> um. Well, I, Holly does. <laughs> Holly does. Yeah. And I was going to so um, Yeti man. Yeti man does. Flurry, furry, flurry, right? 
he's his name i never know if it's furry or flurry like if we are literally calling him oh flurry like a snow flurry. I, I think yeah like, flurry yeah we're not literally calling him furry but yes we find out that her ex is the one who's been taking pictures of them while they were in their in their three-way um a plot that really does not matter. It doesn't matter. It's not. It's extremely optional. You just um, got to break up the sex scenes with something. Yeah, you just have to have some sort of tension. Um, besides the whole like we're public figures, you're a sports journalist. We can't be together openly yet, but we want to, and we're on the same team. Will we be allowed to uh, play? Um. Will the National Monster Hockey League ever be the same? No. A phrase that's never um, spelled out. It just says NMHL. Yeah. I I just assumed that I had missed the explanation of that. (laughs) No, that's just how far far gone we are in the sports hole. You're either locked in or you're not, you know? That is how far gone into the sports hole we went here. Did we did we finish the plot? Uh yeah, we kind of finished the plot. <laughs> oh, you forgot the part where they have a Merry Christmas. Oh yes. Oh, That's yeah. like the end is I... uh they have a Merry Christmas. Um and you know, that that whole breeding thing took. So they're gonna be uh sports dads. You know what? I, also... I, I hated that most of all. I hated the the families ever after ending of this, where I was like, "Really? Like your whole fantasy was to just get like constantly banged by these two hot dudes, and the first thing that you can think of first when you're mating, which I guess maybe it's the magic of the faded mates or whatever, but yeah. like you want to just like you want to have that dynamic for a couple of months, like eight months, and and then." kids ever after like it's the fucking finale of charmed so it made me mad to be honest okay so yeah that is part of the like romance novel sort of breeding kink thing it's like oh hell yeah we're gonna have kids it's great and yeah i've talked about this on here a whole lot um but to me and like what so far has been settled upon is like if we're to look at these as like somebody's fantasy it just is kind of like uh men seem sort of disappointing sort of reading of it in that like if the hottest thing is somebody who wants to settle down and have a family with you like um i don't know i wonder if it's more transgressive than that i wonder if you know, we are a generation that's been having kids later and later. And like for a lot of us financially, it's not viable. And like to keep your head above water, you kind of have to like live a childless life, whether or not you want to. But even on top of that, a lot of people are just choosing not to. I mean, personally, that's my choice. I like, was going to say, not yeah. Have kids. So like there's like a transgression in reading from the point of view of someone who wants to have kids. Like, it's like against your actual desires in real life, but by indulging in them in the fiction, you can kind of eroticize it. Yeah. Kind of like the cliche of like the most frequent people that go see like dominatrixes are, you know, businessmen who are in control of every aspect of their life in public In private. Mm-hmm. They like to be, you know, spanked and tied up. It, it just seems like it, it's, 
there's a way that's very like directly counter to I'm guessing most like millennials who would be reading this. Yeah. That is also yeah, that is true. See, I've <laughs> I've always gonna be mean and be like, oh, men are disappointing and that's why. But uh I like your reading better and it's more uh optimistic than mine. Um <laughs> Well, these aren't men. This is a Krampus and a Yeti. Let's. let's oh, I'm just that. saying, like, if we're if we're looking at like this as like a female fantasy, like yeah. And I mean, even before they settled down, like the part she really fixates on is like the feeling of being snuggled between these two monster men. Like, yeah. she re- she's really into the aftercare as much as the getting tossed around. Yeah, she she's. She likes the the soft with the the kinky, you know, not the super kinky. That uh, was my uh, personal favorite line in the whole book. Though was um, I was quickly finding that being snuggled between a yeti and a Krampus was one of my favorite things. I I understand that. That sounds nice. What a and strange so, sentence, though. <laughs> I, don't know. I know. I know. There's so many. The world is so vast and strange. Once you. Uh, really go down this rabbit hole um so yeah uh we covered the plot it was very optional here um i don't know thank y'all for like coming and hanging out with me on this uh does anybody have any other favorite lines or anything that they want to talk about before i like let y'all be free I think in the stylistic category, if you're going to give it any credit, um, switching POVs, every chapter title, it's kind of fun. You know, we're not always in Holly's head. We get to experience her body through the monster's eyes. Uh, other than that, no, I was just basically just trying to like figure out what the angle is at, at all times. Like, why is this hot? Why do people read hundreds of these? To the mm-hmm. point where they need the novelty of a Christmas version of the monster fucking book they've already read. Yes. Why do we need the hat on a hat? Um, and yeah, I was just trying to like get an angle on like what transgressions were happening here. And it feels like just like being unprofessional with brutish men uh, was like kind of the, the main one. one. Yeah. 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 Which, which so I guess okay. I kind of get it. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> you want to be uh, with uh the big old guys, that's fair. Um, also, the uh, se- the um, sneaking around feeling of fucking a celebrity seems like a pretty big oh, yeah. erotic component here, too. Yeah, uh, y'all were going to have your debate about uh, celebrity and culture. <laughs> <laughs> um, instead, I, I brought you to this version of celebrity and sneaking around instead. Um, but yeah, it is a lot of these I would say are kind of the hat on the hat thing. Um which is yeah, why I'm just like okay, I guess anybody can just crank a billion of these out, which is good for you, honestly. Like I can't even write one book, so uh I'm just going to say hey, good job. Uh, it does seem like a way to have hacked the system. Not not to say that, you know, these people can't consider what they're doing to be like, you know, creatively fulfilling. But yeah. it does sort of remind me of um that director. 
uh, Brandon, what is his name? Friend of the podcast. Matt Farley. You, you can call him on his phone number. Matt oh, Farley. Matt Farley. Okay. Matt Farley, where it's like, yeah, he just kind of hacked the system where he'll, you know, he'll write any song for just like a couple of dollars. And then, you know, those continue to make like residual money, pennies on the dollar, but like not nothing through like Spotify, where it does sort of feel like a lot of these could be sort of mass produced. But I could tell this was not written by an AI. So I yeah. will give it that. I was going to say, I am very, very careful about that. So this I think was Matt very Farley's clearly good... written by people. Yeah. <laughs> I think Matt Farley's a good comparison point, though, because, like, I think he actually, like, enjoys the work. And I feel like you actually have to find this hot to write it. Yeah. I was like, going to say. A certain, there's just certain brain patterns and certain, like, avenues and details it wouldn't have gone down and fixated on if the person wasn't actually excited by what they were writing. Yeah. I, that is definitely a thing. Like I do think that a lot of the writers who do this stuff, like they definitely enjoy what they're doing and, you know, they're going to be your regular writer um, complaining about all of the problems that come with writing. But like, they definitely have some sort of system hack that they have they have done. So um I guess the next question is like when it when are y'all's uh, smut books coming out? When are we when are we gonna get the, the drop here on, on y'all's life hacks? <laughs> I'm sorry. Any attempt that I would make to like make smut like this would just end up being like a really long um fictional twitter thread of people arguing over whether or not die hard is a christmas movie or a halloween movie because hans gruber is played by a vampire in their world like that <laughs> i would get too hung up on that kind of shit so unfortunately you may see that come for me but there will not there will not be tasty come and no one will be um circling their clit ah uh, in your but... book the cum will taste awful <laughs> Yeah, because you know, I like I like to be grounded in reality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, that's that sounds great. I'm excited for your uh your diehard debate um in your monster fucker book. Um Yeah, not naming the movie at the end of that first threesome is such a brilliant move. Cause it's like on one hand it's like, okay, I'm horny, I don't care, I'm just trying to get to the next sex scene. But on the other hand, it's like so open to interpretation and like <laughs> I could just talk about what they're watching that night forever. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, I see, I don't even have any ideas in my head. I'm just like, I have no idea like what you would watch there. And I had that moment too. I was like, well, what are you watching? What's up? And I did just assume it was like a Hallmarky Christmas movie. Because in which case, why bother naming it? Yeah, why bother naming it? It's the same one. Um, one of these books that I did read did pretty much say that in like one of their passages about watching a Hallmark Christmas movie is like, just watch one. If we've seen them all, but I'll watch another. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. I'm glad that I'm not the only one that kind of feels that way at a certain point. Um, you've seen well, not even at a certain point. It's just kind of you've seen one, you've seen them all in the Hallmark universe. Um, yeah, 
thank you all so much for uh, letting me drag you into my my horror horror my den of horrors. Um, and thank you for having me. <laughs> it was fun, and I look forward to clearing my history on Kindle as soon as possible. I'm I look forward to being able to do that too. Uh, yeah. Thank y'all. Merry and... good night, everyone. <laughs> Sorry, I I, I stepped no, all no. over Brandon. Take it again. That was good. Yeah, good. Merry Christmas. <laughs>